As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to a... Emergency edition, the latest edition of Until Saturday. I am Ari Wasserman, joined by David Ubbin and one of our, if not the best guest, uh, Scott Docterman. He has been on the show quite a bit over the course of the past few years and has taken uh, quite a bit of, of verbal abuse from fans. He's had to continually talk about Iowa's offense, but today the day finally came that Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz the son of head coach, head coach Kirk Ferentz, will not be back after the season. Scott, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, man. It's hard to process this, though. You know, it's been something that we've uh, that we've discussed uh, different levels for you guys. It's been uh, kind of comic relief in some ways, but uh, it's provide content for me. It's been a a daily existence. No matter where I go, what I do, I could be. Uh, believe me, at a bar or the mall or <laughs> let alone um, on my computer. And that's pretty much the first and only topic that I only I get to discuss. So it's, uh, it's a wild day in uh, the land between two rivers. Uh, it seems like Dave's having a hard time with this. I mean, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. Um, it's been tough. Uh, you know, when it's I heard the tough. news, when I heard the news, I just kind of sat, man. <laughs> I just sat and I, I, I just felt my feelings for a little bit. And I thought of all the fun we could have on Saturday nights, sorry, that we're not going to get to have um, for the next six weeks. Uh, and I just, um, it's tough. You know, it's tough. I'm going through it today, but Scott, I, my, my biggest question that I think doesn't really make sense. And I'm, I'm hoping you can provide some level of context. Iowa didn't play a game last week. They've had an off week. Why did they not do this last Monday? Well, it's a complicated situation, David. I mean, this since it's not necessarily the head coach making this call, and in mm-hmm. fact, he's nowhere to be seen on this statement because it's coming from the interim athletic director, mm-hmm. and uh, and so this had been building over you know course of the of the fall, and it kind of came to a conclusion this weekend. So uh, this could have been handled differently at any time, whether it was from Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz. 
um, somewhat from Beth Getz. I mean, she is the interim athletic director after all. She should be the, the full-time AD. But um, So it's not necessarily one of these moves that gets made in traditional fashion. And uh, it, it came to a head this weekend, and um, everybody started to find out. It was, it was supposed to be apparently – kind of discreet and not known things like this get out very quickly. And uh, here we are today. Um, it, it is unusual though. It would have been nicer if they would have known about it last week, but uh, here we are today um, that Brian Ferentz will be the coach or the uh, offensive coordinator, at least for four more games through the bowl game officially, but we'll see if what that, what may happen in December. It seems like a little naive from an administrative perspective. Like, as you said, in the world of college football, we've gotten a lot of entertainment out of this, but it's defined Iowa's program the last couple of years. It's a little naive that they could make this decision and have any misgivings that they could sort of quietly do it and that it wouldn't leak out for a month. That's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, and, and maybe I'm, I'm not spinning it quite right on this, but you know, I do think that it, it's something that's been discussed, over, as you guys know, over and over. Mm. And here it's so intense that I, it just it came to a point where it was untenable for this uh, for this program um, locally and and when you start to think about the future here when you mm-hmm. start to think about the transfer portals a month away when the receivers have caught I think it's thirty three passes this year in eight games um, how many of them are going to hit the portal how are they going to get anybody in the portal so the fact that they're making this uh, announcement early enough or at least at this point is to make sure that people know that, uh, okay, Iowa's going to do something differently. Maybe this washes any thoughts that some of the, you know, key offensive players would have over entering the portal and maybe gets them out in the head of the marketplace when it comes to hiring a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think getting bogged down on the timing of it uh, is not necessarily is crazy to me. I, I think that first of all, uh, interim athletic director, director Beth gets probably deserves a lot of credit for having to make what, honestly might be one of the toughest decisions an athletic director at Iowa would ever have to make in terms of, you know, the relationship between Brian and Kirk, uh, but also not being the full-time athletic director and, and kind of handling business in a way that probably should have been handled a year ago. I think that Gary Barta um, making the contract the way that it was um, in the, in the, you outlined this in a very good column a month ago, Scott, of just a numbers game uh, takes out the human aspect of all this. And uh, it, became a joke and we laughed about it on this podcast a lot. And, you know, at a certain point, a few weeks ago, I just stopped thinking it was funny. You know, it's not funny. And I ended up writing a column and you wrote a column on the same week and it's just not the way it's supposed to go. So let me just, you know, bear with me here. I'll read the statement real quick for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but this is the statement that was released this afternoon from interim athletic director, Beth Getz. Um, as follows, anyone who loves Iowa football recognizes both the success and challenges that have brought attention to our program this season. Our struggles on offense coupled with the offensive coordinator's contract make this a unique situation. After conversations with head coach Kurt Ferentz, coach Brian Ferentz, and President Wilson, I informed Brian that our intention is for him to be with us through the bowl game. Uh, but this is his last season with the program. Making this known today is the best interest of the program and its loyal fans, and it provides clarity during this pivotal time on the schedule. It is not my practice to be involved in assistant coaching decisions and certainly not to make public such a change or certainly not to make public such a change during a season. Our priority is to put all of our student athletes in its best position to have both short-term and long-term success on and off the field. Our 
football team has a group of outstanding young men and talented athletes who are six who are six and two have a lot to play for. As a former athlete, I know every opportunity to put on that jersey is a cherished one. As Hawkeyes, let's continue to support all of our coaches, staff, student athletes in the pursuit of the Big Ten championship and bowl game victory. So there's one thing here that that I that lights up to me, other than what you already alluded to here, Scott, which is Kirk Ferentz is not included into this statement anywhere. Also, this line, after conversations with head coach Kirk Ferentz, Coach Brian Ferentz and President Wilson, I informed Brian of our intentions. What is your understanding of how they arrived at this decision and how do you view um, interim AD gets for doing what she did? She might be the most popular person on campus. And that was before what happened today. And now she could run for governor and win, even if she wasn't Republican, which is very rare in Iowa. (laughs) I think she's, um, I mean, to be able to do this without having the full-time you know, label. First of all, I think it's it's a detriment to President Wilson to continue to make her an interim because you got to have backing. She's going against, you know, the most uh, powerful person on campus, you know, the highest paid employee in the state and Kirk Ferentz. Um, she needs that kind of back backing and maybe Barbara Wilson provided her that assurance, but, but still to be an interim, that is awfully difficult. And I think the fact that, you know, she did it this way, she has been Nothing but even when from day one, when she became the interim, she's always kind of deflected off of the drive for 325 and instead said, we're about winning games. So, you know, she used to be a a soccer coach. She played soccer at Clemson. She's been in a lot of different places and and she just wanted it to be about winning games. Well, Iowa is six and two. But let's face it, they're not a six and two team based on their offense. It's because their defense and special teams is uh, elite and their offense is the opposite of elite. So I think she recognizes that. She also recognizes that the fans have had it. I mean, they've sold out every game. That is not going to happen again if if Brian Ferentz returns as as coach. And uh, and so I think at this point she had to to make that call. She got enough backing to do it. But I think it's uh, at this point, President Wilson better give her an assurance here too, because to make this kind of move, um, there are other universities that are looking for ADs and she would be just as good at Ohio State as she would be at Iowa. It strikes me as uh, somebody who's in this position making that decision while having the interim tag makes her a stronger candidate elsewhere. No kidding. I mean, if you're if you're Ohio State, you know, who's looking for an athletic director, you immediately make that call. And I know she's turned down opportunities to interview at places because she expects to be the or she wants to be the interim or the full time AD here. But uh, Barbara Wilson, what she did when she um, when Gary Barta stepped aside and retired was she'll be the you know interim through the fall and then they'll open it up in this in the uh, in January. However, every single coach that I've talked to has have has nothing but rave reviews for her from women's basketball to wrestling, to baseball, men's basketball, football, for the most part. Although today I'm sure the head coach isn't feeling that way um, on and on. So yeah, it's, she's, she made a huge tough decision and she's made a lot of really good ones other than this too. Yeah. I, 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 you, you alluded to some candidates, Scott, and I think we can talk about the future, but more than names, I think the more interesting question is just philosophically where you think Kirk Ferentz goes here. Because I, when you're sitting in this seat now as an Iowa football program, it feels hopeless, but I actually do think 
Washington is an interesting parallel because people forget how bad that offense was the last year under Jimmy Lake. I think they ranked 113th in offensive yards per play in year one under Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb. They were number 10 this year. They're number two in the portal era. You can fix a side of the ball to some degree very quickly. Uh, And the personnel is not terrible. Uh, from Iowa and again you can plug and play some guys and I think it's reasonable to be an average offense next year immediately if not better but when you look at what you think Kirk Ferentz wants to do with this offense where do you think he goes like I said more so than names but but philosophically I think whoever takes over he's going to have he's going to try to be a balanced offense one that's going to be run based one that's also um going to be interested in kind of ground acquisition football, because I think, first of all, when you look at where Iowa is located, the amount of top recruits, I mean, there's generally, there's more than there used to be, but there's probably in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 legitimate division one candidate or players in the state of Iowa. Although they consider the Chicago land, you know, part of Iowa, because it's actually closer than say the Western border, but, but still there, there's a, a, they're not going to be able to go out and get four, three wide receivers. And so they're going to try to build line of scrimmage football, but they're, they're going to have to prove through the air. That is the first step for this program is trying to do something that way. Now, will Kirk Ferentz allow that to happen? That's where he needs to change. And this has kind of been my hallmark or my thought of Kirk is, you know, with 200 plus wins, third in big 10 history, He's a Hall of Fame caliber coach, but he's not a generational coach because he's unwilling to evolve on that side of the ball to make him be at that level that we've seen like Nick Saban do. And and I think that's what he needs to do is take a step back, provide a foundation. We want to run the football. We like zone blocking. This is the way we want to accomplish it, but then turn it over. Now, Kirk's when he's hired assistant coaches, they almost all have had some sort of connection to him. The easy one, and this would be the frustrating choice, would be for senior analyst John Budmeyer to become the offensive coordinator. They brought him in two years ago as kind of an analyst, and he's kind of worked around the edges. Um, that would just be more of the same. Maybe he's a better play caller. Maybe he's a better schemer, but um, it's more of the same. I think, you know, what – what he needs to do is try to get somebody that gets him out of his comfort zone and allows him to do what he wants because he's really let down his defense in the last couple of years. And we're not looking for an offense here. That's going to be averaging 46 points a game here. We're looking for an offense that can, you know, rank in the forties or fifties like they had in the 17, 18, 19 years, right? Like we're not looking for, you know, the complimentary football thing I think makes a lot of sense. And I feel like the way Iowa plays the game um, actually is very good if you have a team that can take advantage of what that defense is doing. And when I say take advantage of it, I mean score pretty effectively or get first downs or move the football in a fashion that wasn't pathetic. Now, my number one takeaway from this whole thing, Scott, not to bring it back from the future, is, is that, one, he was hired in his early 30s without any coordinator experience, right? Mm-hmm. I think that this is a lesson that moving forward that, sports fans should probably not tolerate hires like that. I don't know what the tenor was around the Iowa football program when that move was made, uh, but I don't remember it having a lot of backlash. I don't know what you, what you remember of it. And two, as we look back at what the Brian Ferentz era, how it ended, I mean, it was obviously going to be problematic because of the relationship he had with the coach, but 
you know, I feel like Kirk Ferentz let down Brian Ferentz more than the other way around. Um, he put him in a position where he wasn't qualified for a job. Um, that job led to high scrutiny. They put him in a situation where they had a contract that was easy to make fun of. They failed again. And now the man who was actually a very good offensive line coach, and I think has multiple Joe Moorhead award winning offensive lines at Iowa is a laughingstock. Now I'm sure he's going to find a job, but to me, the overall lesson of this whole thing is this wasn't kosher from the beginning. This didn't, this wasn't the way you operate. Well, and in a world good years early on, Ari. what they did have some good years early on. I just don't know if anybody could have a move like this in the future at any position and it'd be okay. Yeah. Because even it. if I they had it. a few good years early on the position that they're in right now, it almost felt like an inevitability. And I actually wrote, maybe one of the most scathing columns of my career about this a few weeks ago. And I actually feel bad for the band. I mean, is that a fair thought process, Scott, or are you with me on that? Or where am I missing the mark on that? No. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, you know, I, I've argued, <laughs> I have to argue out of both sides of my mouth almost every day when it comes to this for with a lot of Iowa fans. I mean, the one thing that he did do, and, and just to provide a little background is he was with the Patriots for four to five years. He was the tight ends coach. Uh, you know, I talked to Rob Gronkowski this year and in the past, he said he's the one who taught me how to block. And I believe that because, I mean, his dad is a guru when it comes to that kind of thing. And then he came to Iowa as offensive line coach. He elevated a run mm-hmm. game coordinator for two years. And in that uh, in that role, they really had a couple of nice years running the football. So the next step in that escalation is become the offensive coordinator. Um, and from in 18 and in 20, they averaged almost 32 points a game. So they were in a, in a decent situation. The problem was everything collapsed at the same time, you know, whether it was uh, recruits not panning out, subpar quarterback play, attrition, injuries, but he had found no way to really stabilize it. But isn't that usually years. when things would go wrong for a new guy Absolutely. two or three years in? I well, mean, that's you know, kind of where you really get the, the temperature or something. Yeah, but the first year was, I mean, it was really bad in Greg, Greg Davis's last year, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, in three out of their last four games in, in 2016, they threw for 80 yards or less with, with an NFL quarterback who's still on NFL roster and C.J. Beathard. So it wasn't, you know, it, he was starting at kind of ground zero, kind of built their way up. They did a nice job. They had a quarterback. But but here, here's the numbers that really stand out. In his first three years as coordinator, he had a he had a co- uh, quarterback who threw for 68 touchdowns. The last four years, they've thrown for 34 total. And I think part of the problem that I have or I've noticed is that there's not a really a way to help his players succeed. I did this today. I kind of went through some some of the schematics, and I'm like, these are easy schematics. Why aren't they doing this? And, uh, and that's a, that's, that's a, a good story. Issue. You were the offensive coordinator for about an hour there, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, pe- until people started hating me, I think it was okay. Dave, I think we got to ask this question. You want to ask it together? What does this mean for Kirk Ferentz? And I'm assuming he probably had a pretty rough day today. Um, I don't feel bad for him in that regard, but at the same time, I know he's an Iowa institution who has won a lot of games there and has stabilized a, a program that's been as consistent as, as humanly possible over the course of his tenure. Um, is this the beginning of the end there too? Or do you think that he still has a lot of time left after how this is ending? That's a great question because 
will he be, I mean, he's going to be agitated for a while because of this, no question. But is he going, he's got a contract now through 2030. And he could, he's in good enough shape to where he can take mm-hmm. this and run with it if he wants to. Or he could, he's 68 years old and can say, you know what, I'm just done. I'm not going to do this anymore, not work for her and, and, and what have you. And so it, it could go either way. My, from what I've gathered over the last couple of months, he's not going to leave, even if Brian does leave. But I think this is the one step, the final step in his process of being a career is that if you can revitalize this offense and be out of your comfort zone and keep Phil Parker on defense, that that maybe adding these four teams from the Pac-12 and and playing the East Division teams you're still going to be okay. You're still going to compete. You, they've done a nice job of that up until the last couple of years, you know. But if he continues to let it flounder, if he does the easy thing, which is, uh, you know, stick around but hire, make the easy hire, do the same thing offensively, then you're going to see this program languish and be a, a seven, a six win team, which it, it that's won more than seven games every year since 2015. Is that? I mean. We didn't hear from Kirk today, obviously, but you've been around the program. You you sort of know how his mind has processed a lot of this. Do you really think Kirk, when he saw this or was told this today, that he felt like this was unfair? Uh, great question. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm we are reporters, to, Scott. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to think just because he, he can get very um, – uh, you know, he can, he can be defiant at times. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give you something from back when they had the rhabdo incident. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, David, I'm sure you remember that mm-hmm. uh, back way back when, and we're, I think it was 11, 11 or 12 players ended up in the hospital with rhabdomyolysis diagnosis um, from a, a crazy, stupid workout um, that Chris Doyle put him through. And then a few, and Doyle got a lot of feet, you know, angry feedback for that. And then Kirk at, at a iClub rally just said, uh, I, I'm giving him my assistant coach of the year award and kind of a middle finger to Gary Barta and everybody else. And that's when Gary Barta should have stepped in and said, I'm, I'm in charge here. And instead he didn't, he allowed him to become kind of a kingdom and a fiefdom. And then three years ago, they had a real explosive situation that he survived. But so he's done a really good job in adverse situations, but he's also has a way about him where I'm sure he's, he's pissed off. I'm sure he feels like that, you know, somebody did something that was beyond what their reach should be. However, if he realizes, and I think Ari, you brought this up a a little bit ago that it's, he's the one who caused this. Yeah. You know, and I have a, I have a son who's 24 years old. I can't imagine that putting him through all of this and making him go out there and hearing chants of 65 to 70,000 people chanting fire, Brian, and people wearing shirts that say fire, Brian and sweatshirts in town and, and everywhere you go. I mean, his son has extra security. I mean, that's just, that's a lot, you know? And, and so I think they could have gotten ahead of this by Brian announcing it instead of letting Beth Getz do it. But they decided to be, um, they decided to handle it this way. So I'm anxious to see how Kirk is tomorrow um, to see if he's angry and bitter, if he just de- defers all comment to, to Beth Getz or, or if he owns it. Did you know Brian what? consider trying stealing signs? 
Well, Michigan was here doing that <laughs> a couple of years ago. I yeah. do know that for a fact, but no. How many signs do you think Iowa has? Like four? <laughs> run no. left, run right. <laughs> run left, run. <laughs> Incomplete pass? Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's mean. Okay. Hey, uh, one thing I wanted to say before we got out of here is Scott is um, – one of the FWAA's beat writers of the year. So I wanted to publicly yes. congratulate you for that honor and achievement. Uh, I think you're one of the better reporters on our entire staff and it's been a pleasure working with you. I wanted to make sure that, you know, the people listening heard that. Um, and also too, for, for how good of a reporter that you are, um, it is pretty cool to have those layup days where you just go to the office knowing that, you know, you're talking to Kirk Ferentz and whatever happens there is going to be a great story and you're going to get to do what you got to do. Like, are you looking forward to, to kind of, having that day and, and having those discussions with him. Yeah. I mean, tomorrow is, uh, you know, we've get, is our one day of the week where we get our play, we get players and Kirk Ferentz. It's going to be fascinating to see what they say, but you know, at some point I would like to get a little more background from them. I mean, you know, my, my relationship with Brian Ferentz goes back a ways and I, you know, I was the only one this summer that he sat down with. I had a couple of hours with him and a year ago we went like six, six hours going over game tape. And, you know, and it was everything from what went right against Ohio State in 2017. And Mm -hmm. he identified the plan and why it worked and what they were looking for. I mean, it was really well thought out and he did a great job with it. And then uh, a couple other games that were his stinkers. And there were a lot of those, too. And and we got I wouldn't say in an argument or anything, but, you know, it was kind of it was the Northwestern game in 2020. They you know, it was during covid. They lost 21 to 20. Um, they, you know, if they win that game, I think it's a really good game with Ohio state at the end of the year, because they won their last six games by 22 points a game. Um, and you know, we, we kind of went round and round over philosophically and, you know, what he decided to do. So I, I think it'll be, I would like to hear their side of the story, whether it's open, you know, or even if it's on the side, but you know, well, either got, way, it's going to be an interesting week. He's got enough capital that if he wants to, if he wants to, uh, you know, let it fly. He can. Mm-hmm. Well, oh yeah. The thing that Dave taught me was it you, Dave? Probably. I want to. I want to. I want to do it here. Uh, yeah. I, what you do is you put the oven on around 175 degrees. <laughs> um, is there anything that we forgot to ask, Scott, or, or a point that you wanted to make, or something that is pertinent that the audience should know? Uh, yeah. I mean. You know, I think you brought it up a little bit in your column last week, Ari, and that that was, you know, what what has gotten lost in this for a long time are the fans, you know, the the people who are reading our stuff, the people who are going to the games, and and I mean, they are very loyal here. I mean, they sold out this season, they sold out last season, they, you know, they've they've really embraced it all. They've tried to buy in, but but uh, you know, that they, they've they've been ridiculed and, and had a lot of you know, stuff thrown their way. And, and I, I feel for them throughout this and they've been tough to deal with at, at times too, but, but, you know, this is really kind of a day for them in some ways, like, okay, there is a light at the end of this tunnel that's seemingly be going on for 25 years. Well, I'm intrigued, uh, Scott, it's going to be, uh, uh, imagine a, a weird last four weeks, a, a weird couple, uh, this team uh, off season controls its own destiny in the big 10 West. So, yeah. Wouldn't it be something if he starts dropping 48 a game and they win the big 10? Yeah. I mean, they go, they go to Indianapolis and, 
you know, like the game that always stands out the most, and, and Brian was a big part of it, was against Michigan in, in 16, where they got run by Penn State the week before. They played Michigan the next week. Number two, 9-0. and Harbaugh has that incredible defense, and they went 14-13 to on the last play of the game. Can you imagine if they end up going to Indianapolis and winning like that? And then Brian Ferentz is walking up, you know, like Brian Cox down the, the tunnel at, at uh, in Buffalo from when he was with the Dolphins. <laughs> I envision more of a uh, more of a uh, who's the MMA fighter? I'm forgetting. Is it Conor McGregor? I'm envisioning more of a Conor McGregor walk from Brian Ferentz if they. <laughs> but don't say don't 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 say that idea too loud on Ari. He might snap. Um, over <laughs> under this week twenty nine and a half. Oh, I, I'm definitely taking the under on that. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> How low would it have to go before you took the over? 26 and a half, probably. Oh, uh, you need just that extra field goal there. So that's the well, difference for you? <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, the, last, the last time they played in the Chicago land, Iowa won 17 to 12. Last okay. week they played Minnesota and it was 12 to 10. Um, you know, I, I think it's and, – and it's at Wrigley Field. And the highest scoring game there this year was 20 to 9. So I I think there's just this Mr. Stats over here, huh? That's why you won those awards, Dave. That's why you win those awards. (laughs) Well, unless you've got anything else to add, Dave, I think that we basically covered it and I'm sure we'll continue to follow the story uh, as we continue on with our podcast and, and reporting this season, Scott, thank you so much for, for joining us live here on YouTube. And Dave, I always appreciate you not torpedoing a podcast with some weird, uh, (laughs) menu item or food thing that you're doing Um, for everybody listening be sure to follow until saturday on the youtube channel if you're here live we appreciate you very much if you'd love to get the podcast uh the links to the podcast feed can be found in your show's description if you're hearing this uh in your podcast feed of course vice versa the youtube link will be found in that description as well i love the the cross-pollination of the show you should subscribe to both so that you can get both um thanks so much guys for scott dockerman Dave Ubbin, I'm Ari Wasserman. That was the latest emergency edition of Until Saturday. Bring back the turnover chain. <laughs>